Shalom, everyone. This is Luke Tanner with Zion Hebraic Congregation. This week's Shabbat message is from the book of Malachi with me. And you can also check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you will find blog posts, other Shabbat messages, as well as links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy. Mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does not only away. The soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and zeal. Oh, zeal. Okay, so we are in Malachi. And hopefully we're, I'm going to read the whole thing. It's probably a lot to bite off. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Maybe we won't. I don't know. It's too good to like not, not though. You know what I mean? <sighs> I know. We'll see how far we get. We'll start. We'll go. My plan is to like go through it and then um, talk about it as we go through it. So you know, we'll see how far we get. But it's really good, and um, I went through it recently, and so I figured it'd, it'd be good for us today as well. I saw an interesting thing this week. I forget where it was, some, some Israeli news agency or something, and I thought it was interesting because they said that uh, tourism in Israel has been up by 38% in 2018, which is a lot. Um, tourism, tourism. Like, like going on a tour, visiting, you know, not the Torah. Well, maybe people are going there because they like the Torah. I don't know. <laughs> but it is interesting because even in my own travels with all my different clients, uh, I've had two or three clients this, just this year that went and visited the land. You know, to- totally normative Christian people, not, not necessarily interested in the Torah. But I find it interesting that um, uh, there's this stirring, maybe you could call it, amongst God's people, you know, to visit the land, I think is interesting. And the fact that it's up 38%. Yes, you in the back with your hand. Um, I was talking to you about Hispanic pastor. Yeah, yeah. This week, and he went with a group of 123 wow. to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... I think it's all related. I think God is working in the hearts of his people, um, prompting people to go, and, um, and hopefully that will, will lead more and more people to, uh, you know, to the fullness of God's word and to keeping the Torah, you know, to walking out his ordinances, because that's part of what we're going to read about today um, in Malachi. Because you get to the very end, you get the last, we'll skip to the end, just in case we don't make it there. If you get to chapter 4, in verse 4, it says, Remember ye the law, the Torah of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, 
lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So, I don't know, there's a lot to say there, but I find it very fascinating. And granted, I know this is the uh, English or whatever you want to call it, ordering of the books of the Bible. But I find it interesting, the Bible that sits in most churches today, right before you get to Yeshua showing up on the scene, what does it tell us? Keep the Torah. Because I think God knew, you know, we were going to forget that. And we were going to spiritualize and allegorize and say, oh, that was done away with, except for whatever we feel like doing. And um, then it all becomes subjective. And when you don't have a standard that's based in anything, it all becomes subjective. Um, and uh, that's not good. We know that only destruction and problem comes from that. So you get this, <laughs> right? Uh. Let's get, we're happy we're here. Okay, so let's, let's read and then I'll, um, well, let's pray, read, and then I'll talk as we go along. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this Shabbat and this day, this time to come together to read from your word. I pray that you would just stir our hearts, uh, change us, uh, lead us to be more like you, inspire us to live rightly, to uh, study and know your word, burn it into our hearts and minds that we live it out. Um, and that you would give us understanding through your spirit. So I just thank you for all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Okay, so Malachi 1.1. The burden of the word of Yehovah to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith Yehovah, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith Yehovah? Yet I loved Jacob. And I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith Yehovah of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. They shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom Yehovah hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, that Yehovah will be magnified from the border of Israel. So we'll start there. I found it interesting that verse 1, it says, the burden of the word of Yehovah um, to Israel by Malachi. And, um, which I found really fascinating. I mean, I've read that, a, I don't know how many times, but the burden of the word of Yehovah to Israel. So the word is Masah in Hebrew. Um, it means literally a burden to carry. And what's interesting, uh, the, the word, it's a the root word of that root word is nasa, which means to go up or to carry, so i.e. to lift up a burden. It also means to like go up to the temple or to approach because you would carry something with you and you would go there. Um, so I found that really interesting. But it's, it's a burden for Malachi. There's something that he has to carry that God has given him to Israel. And, and I found it fascinating because... There, there isn't anybody who's not carrying something that doesn't have a job to do, that's not doing something and living some way in our life. So if we're not carrying the burden of the Word of God, we're going to pick up something else that we, we want to carry. We're going to make our own. And um, so I find that interesting that he starts out that way. And then he gets into talking to his people, to Israel, to Jacob, and saying, I loved you. And they're saying, what do you mean you've loved us? We, we've suffered so much and we've gone through so much. And he's saying he loved you uh, and he hated Esau. Why? Because Esau dispersed, uh, despised his birthright. He, if you remember the story, he sold his birthright for a pot of soup. He didn't care. He didn't have the desires of the father uh, in his heart. He didn't care what was going on with the family. 
All right, so let's keep going here. Verse five or six here. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his, his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith Yehovah of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised your name? Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar. And ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of Yehovah is contemptible. So let's back up here. So he's saying, a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where's my honor? If I be a master, where's my fear? Saith Yahweh of hosts. O priests, those, these are the leaders now, those who are supposed to be upholding the authority of God and his word. They have despised the name, but they say, wherein we have we despised um, their name? And, and it goes on to basically say that they have, they've created their own way of serving God because... Where it says here, um, you despise my name, it literally means um, to, um, so it, it, it's, it harkens back to the Ten Commandments where it says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We, at least the way I grew up, if you grew up like me, or just assuming it, that, that meant don't say, oh my God. If you said, oh my God, I'm oh, taking the Lord's name in vain. And now is it a good thing? Nah, I don't know. But... That's not what it means. It literally means to carry the authority of God's name because that's what his name means. It means his authority. That's why we say, you see in cheesy movies, stop in the name of the law because there's authority. There's force behind that name, right? And it, it's the authority that goes behind it. So the same thing with, um, with God's name. And it says they despised his name. And so they did not uh, uphold the authority of God's name and, and mete out justice, do what they were supposed to do. Instead, they flipped it all upside down. And then when God calls them out on it, they say, what do you mean? You know, it's not just like a kid. You tell them, clean up your room. And they're like, okay, it's clean. And you go in there and you're like, no, you didn't. They're like, yeah, what do you mean? And then you have to point it all out because why? Because the kid doesn't want to clean their room. They don't want to see the problems. And it's the same thing for us. We don't want to look at our lives because to take that look really hard at ourselves and them at themselves would to mean big problems. You know, they, it would show the uh, depravity of their own hearts and their own minds and that they had woefully rejected observing God's word and doing what they were supposed to and being the leaders that they should. And then he goes on to lay out what they did wrong uh, with uh, putting polluted bread on the altar and having contempt for the things that are, that are God's. And that's what happens. If they, if they don't uphold the authority of God's words and teach it and preach it, they really hold it in contempt because what they do is they end up, or we, I'm saying they, anybody, that you end up creating your own system, you know, and your own way. You, you, you depart from the word of God and then you get generation to generation, like we say, all, all down the line. And next thing you know, you, don't, you have no idea why you're doing anything. And then you have to go on Google and look it up. You know, you post things on Facebook that you're doing and you're so thankful for and, and have no idea where it comes from. And I'm not lambasting people, although I am, but even myself because I was there and shame on me for just going on to going on. And because I, I remember thinking like, what in the world happened in the Sabbath? You know, why did it seem like, you know, four pages later here, there's that white sheet in the middle and then everything changed. 
you know, and I couldn't reconcile that in my mind and had these questions. And granted, you know, I, I just thank God that, you know, he is turning the hearts of the father back to the children and the children to the hearts of the father, because that's what it's all about. It's what's inside the heart of the person. And if it's truly inside the heart of the person to have the humility to put themselves under the authority of God and walk in his ways and change yourself at your very core, you will listen to the truth when it comes. Or you'll say, how have we despised your name? How have we held you in contempt? In other words, wait a minute, I'm, I didn't do anything wrong, you know? And it's an arrogance. And I don't know about you guys, but when my children do that, it makes me really mad. And so I can't imagine how God feels about us. Well, I can't imagine because he tells us and he does allows horrible things to happen to his people because of their sin. Because why? Because he knows to allow his children, just like our own children, to continue in your, their wayward, wayward ways would mean their own destruction. So he has to send uh, uh, punishment to save them from themselves. So they're like, wait, what? we haven't done anything wrong. All right, so let's keep going here. So let's go to nine. And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith Yehovah of hosts? Who is there among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith Yehovah of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rise in the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith Yehovah of hosts. So he's saying basically, all right, fine. If you're not going to listen to me, you're going to find everything that I tell you to do contemptible. You're going to go through the motions, but not be changed in your heart, not uphold my authority and my instructions to reprove my people and lead them as you should. I'm going to go elsewhere. And, and, and that's what happened in the New Testament, right? And he even told them uh, when, uh, when he was talking to somebody, the Pharisees or the Sadducees, and he said, um, oh, I'm forgetting the story now. But anyways, he talked about the story where he sent a prophet to someone outside the land. Maybe it was Naaman. I can't remember. But anyways, it was the same thing. Yeshua was saying, you guys won't listen to me. So I'm going to go to the nations and they'll listen to me. And they will offer up uh, incense unto my name and a pure offering. So in other words, what, what, what's the difference? They have a heart that wants to serve them, God, and wants to keep his ways. And so they will give their lives and their words and their actions as offerings, as uh, praise unto him. They will hold back from their actions what they want to do and will instead give of their time and their efforts and their money and their emotions and their labors and their families to God, which is sacrifice, which is an offering, right? And so... It's a pure offering because it comes from the pureness of their heart and wanting to serve and obey him. Twelve, but you've profaned it and you say the table of Yehovah is polluted and the fruit thereof. Even this meat is contemptible. So they have, they have contempt for what God has told them to do. They feel robbed that they have to uh, deprive themselves of what should be the good life for, for, of them to do. 
So his name will be great among the Gentiles. They grew weary in serving God, and they held back their best from God. This will only bring a curse on ourselves. So this idea of giving of our best to God, uh, you know, what is our best? The best of our time, our strength, our money. And, um, and so they were holding all those things back because they didn't want to serve him. They didn't want to have to yield their own will and their own way unto him. But God's saying, you know, I'm trying to teach you to do what's right so you will have a good life because I created everything to work a certain way. And if you don't live for that and you listen to the lie of the devil, hath God said, you know, your eyes will be open, you'll get all the good stuff, um, it will only lead to destruction. It's just so much good stuff. So they said it was weariness. Okay, let's see here. 14, but cursed be the deceiver which, which hath in his, hand, in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrifice unto the, unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith Jehovah of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. All right, chapter 2, he gets into the priest's job. Um, it's good. It's good stuff. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. I don't know if you guys ever... Um, if you're ever in a situation, I remember like being a kid or if you were in a classroom and it's like, all right, you guys, this is for you. And you get that like feeling inside. You're like, oh no. <laughs> That's what I feel like. Verse two, if you will not hear. So keep in mind, you know, the Shema, it, it, the continuity of the Bible is incredible because all these concepts, you know, hearing, obeying their heart, um, it's all connected, and he weaves these, these principles and these themes in his word all through that you just can't miss it if you'll pay attention. So he says, now you priests, this commandment's for you. If you will not hear, because that's their first job, right, is to hear from God and then do. If you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith Yehovah, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart. So, they were supposed to hear the word of God. They were supposed to put it into their hearts, you know, weave it into the very fabric of their being, so that then their actions and what they did would reflect that. Because that will produce a blessing. Opposite of, of God's word, uh, doing God's word, naturally brings a curse because things just don't work the way they're supposed to. It's like you could say you get the piece of Ikea furniture and you follow the instructions and it's a blessing. And if you don't follow the instructions, it's a curse. <laughs> and you wonder why you have three parts left over. And so, and, and then it falls apart later. It says, uh, verse three, behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread and dung on your faces, even dung of your solemn feasts. And one shall take you away with it. And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith Yehovah of hosts. My covenant was with him for life, of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear with, wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. I mean, and that, that's another thing, you know. We, we, lack, we lack fear of God in our common culture today. There is no fear. There is no trembling, you know. 
kids sh- should, and I did, you know, had a healthy fear because you knew. And why do we, why do we fear of the government? Because the, the police carry guns. It's backed up with, by the point of a gun, right? It's the truth of the matter. Why do we pay our taxes? Because if you don't, they will extract it from you at the point of a gun. You know, it's just the truth of things. Why do we fear God? Because it's backed up by real physical consequences, or we should be. But when they don't, these things are bad. Where was I? So, we need fear. Six, the law of truth was in his mouth. So he's talking about how it used to be. And iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. So that's their job is to turn them away from iniquity. But when they don't, when they don't fear God, when they don't have his words in, in their heart and they don't hearken to his commandments, they increase iniquity and then they, and they increase sinfulness. Um, and that's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing for the leader, for the priest, and it's a terrible thing for the people because the consequences are dire. <clears throat> Seven, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, meaning the people should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of Yehovah of hosts. So it's a huge job. It's a huge commitment, a huge undertaking. And when they're not doing it, Everything falls apart. Um, and it's the same thing in a household. It's the same thing in a congregation. It's the same thing in a church. Um, if, if those who are in charge are not upholding the veracity and the truth of God's word, um, chaos and destruction will ensue. All right. Uh, eight. But ye departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith Yehovah of hosts. Therefore, I have also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. So in other words, they were supposed to mete out justice and, and consequences, but they were corrupt. They were partial in their judgment. In other words, if, say, Bob had stolen five sheep, but they knew Bob. You know, Bob was really a pretty good guy. He's, he can, you know, ju- that's why we have, um, actually, I think it's down in Exeter on top of the uh, courthouse or whatever it is, or the town hall. There's a statue, and the statue, you know, is ho- holding the scales, and she's blindfolded, i.e. justice, the meeting out of law, is blind. Because to pass judgment, what it actually means is to set things right, because there has been a problem. Things have gotten flip-flopped. There's a mess. And so to mete out justice is to set things correct and right. And it's supposed to be blind. But if you know Bob, that Bob's really a pretty good guy, so I'm not going to punish him as such. What you end up doing is punishing or slighting that guy who he stole the five sheep from. And so you do not set things right. And then because of that, can, corruption continues to ensue and a whole bunch of other bad things. So they were partial. 10. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? That's good. 11. Judah hath dealt tre- tre- treacherously. 
And an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah hath profaned the holiness of Yahweh, which he has loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange god. Yehovah will cut off the man that doeth this, the master and the scholar, out of the tabernacles of Jacob, and him that offereth an offering unto Yehovah of hosts. This have ye done again, covering the altar of Yehovah with tears, with weeping, and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering any more, or receiveth it with good will at your hand. Ye say, Wherefore, how come? Because Yehovah hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. So you have this, this thing going on where, you know, they're there and they're weeping and wailing before, you know, they're uh, showing up at church. They're doing all the right things. They're bringing their offerings. They're weeping and wailing. And then they're saying, how come you're not listening to us, God? Because they, in their private lives, air quotes, they are dealing treacherous with, with, their, with their wife with, of their youth. And it basically goes on to say that, you know, they have put away their wives. They, it's, it's the epitome of... Um, Living in the moment, really, and fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. Instead of having dedication and commitment and long-suffering with the wife of their youth, they, they want the low-hanging fruit. Whatever is easy, because it feels good. You know, that's why so many marriages don't, don't last today, because, you know, we don't take seriously the vow, right, till death do us part, uh, anymore. And so, especially, I think with the men, you, you, you get um, tired, you get weak, and then you uh, look for the easy way out. And so, but they're saying, you know, oh, we're doing all these things for you, God. But he's saying, no, you're a corrupt mess inside. You're not doing what you should be. You are betraying the wife of your youth. So he's saying, 15, did not he make one? And he that hath a residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one? That he might seek a goodly seed, godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For Yehovah, the God of Israel, saith, he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garment, saith Yehovah of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit, that ye deal not treacherously. And I love that. Take heed to your spirit. You know, really look at yourself honestly. You know, Gauge yourself. Where are you at? What are you feeling? How are you conducting yourself and how are you acting? You know, because if we're not willing to be honest with ourselves, we're not going to be honest in anything else in our life. But it's a really hard thing to be honest with yourself, to really, really coldly self-analyze and look within and measure yourself against God's words. It's a painful thing. Because you see that you come up lacking. But we have to do that. Otherwise, we become lackadaisical, fat and happy in our Zion. And then we wonder, you know, I'm bringing all these sacrifices and offering God. How come I'm, you know, not getting what I want? And he says it's because in, inside you're full of dead men's bones. 17. Ye have wearied Yehovah with your words. Yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or, where is God of, the God of judgment? So again, they, they have flipped around evil for good and good for evil. 
Or they just say, where's God? I don't see anything happening. I don't see any cause and effect. I don't see God doing anything. But he is doing everything all the time, everywhere. We have just blinded ourselves to it because uh, we don't have his, oftentimes, his words in our heart, you know, teaching us to see his ways and how we're supposed to act. And so chaos ensues and corruption seeps in and uh, problems and families fall apart and, you know, horrible things happen all the time. And it's because we reject his word, because we reject his Torah. You know, it's a slippery slope. And it's funny because there's a, a guy I was talking to recently, and um, he's, he's, a, he's a nice guy, a, a Christian guy. Um, and we were talking about the Torah because he read our, read our website. And, and he's like, yeah, I'm curious, you know, why you think the, the Mosaic law is still in effect. Uh, and because uh, that all, you know, ended with Yeshua on the cross. Jesus on the cross. And it's interesting to me because really what people are saying without saying is what ended with Jesus on the cross was the Sabbath, uh, the, the festivals, the dietary laws, and Zitzi, and a few other random, random things. But those are, the, those are the big four, right? Everything else is still in effect, the quote-unquote moral law. And so we conveniently divide it up so it serves our own purposes so we can basically still do whatever the H-E double toothpicks we want. Because it's convenient and we can fit into society easily. And we don't have to look like those weirdos. You know? Because to keep, what's interesting, to keep those four little things is to necessarily extract yourself from the cycles and the rhythms and the ways and the holidays and the foods of the rest of the world. And it does come at a cost, even though it's those four little things. And uh, I don't know how I got on that. All right, keep going here. I don't know where we're at. How long have we been going for? What time is it? Yeah, we got time. Let's keep going. All right, chapter three. Behold, I will send my messenger. And he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith Yehovah of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he's like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them of, as gold and silver, that they may offer unto Yehovah an offering of righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto Yehovah as in the days of old, as in the former years. So he's sending this messenger to restore, to prepare the way before me. I've said this before, but... Um, this, this phrase, prepare the way before me, it, it, it has a very uh, tangible and physical picture behind it because before the festivals, when they would go up to Jerusalem for um, Passover and um, Shavuot and Sukkot, they would, there were certain highways 
or roads that the people would commonly travel to, to go to Jerusalem. And so what they would do is they would fix up the, the paths because you'd get the rains and they'd wash them out and there'd be dips and highs and lows and people are coming, they're bringing lots of stuff. And so they would prepare the way for them to head up to the temple. And so he's saying, prepare, uh, he shall, he's sending this messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. Uh, and yet, whom you shall seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the government, whom you delight. And so, it also means the way is another word for the Torah. And so, it, it was this idea, when what John the Baptist, joking on the immerser, was doing, is he was teaching the Torah to the people. Because what had happened was, they had set up their own words and their own ways and their own doings as these fences like we were talking around around the Torah. And so they, and a lot of it was so they could, um, uh, so they could take advantage of the people, like even in the temple. And that's why Yeshua went in with a, the whip and he was driving out the money changers because what they did is they set up their own currency. It's basically a uh, modern day stock market and changing and all these things. So they, what they said is, you can bring your sheep down, but you can't offer those in the temple. You have to buy our sheep. So the price of the sheep were inflated. They would make it more expensive. Then what they would also do is say, well, you can't buy our temple sheep with your money. You got to use the temple money because it's holy, better, whatever, and good to buy the temple sheep. So you had to bring your sheep down, sell it somewhere, then you had to take your money, exchange it at the temple for not as good of a rate, and then buy this inflated priced sheep. And so they were, um, as it says in other books of the prophets, they were uh, devouring the flock. The leaders were. And that's why Yeshua went out in and turned over the money tables, because they were abusing the people. So if you're someone who's trying to come down to Jerusalem, do the right thing, or go up to Jerusalem, and they were being raked over the coals by this. And they were using it as a money profiteering scheme. And so, um, that's part of why John the Baptist, who was out in the wilderness, uh, they didn't like what he was doing. Because he was, and they didn't like what Yeshua was doing, because he was actually threatening their power, their political power that they had in the day. And um, that's why they hated him. That's why they hated Yeshua and wanted him dead, because he threatened their power structure. And a lot of people were following them. And they recognized they don't speak according to, but they have their own doctrine, and they have power. And he said, but I say unto you. I mean, these were hugely powerful things that he was doing. And that's why they picked up stones, and they wailed, and they gnashed their teeth, because he was setting things right. He was restoring. When you read the Bible, it never talks about um, things are going to evolve. Things are going to gradually improve. It's no, get, go back. The hearts of the fathers, go back to the word that I've taught you. Put it in your heart. You know, because things decay with time. That's, it's entropy. It's physics. You know, it's reality. Okay. So he's sending this messenger, and he's going to clean things up. He's going to, uh, like, like silver, purify them. Then the offering of Judah in Jerusalem will be pleasant unto Yahweh. Five, I will come near to you in judgment. Again, he's going to come near and set things right. 
And I will be a swift witness against sorcerers and against adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages and the widow and the fatherless and turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith Jehovah of hosts. So all these things that have fallen into decay, these are like little phrases that uh, typify just the corruption of the society that has happened, which you can see all of that nowadays. It's always been. For... Uh, six, for I love this verse. For I am Yehovah, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Most of the time, we just read the first part. I am God, I change not. Oh, I'll put that on a bumper sticker, feel good. No, therefore you're not consumed. Because if God uh, did change, you just vaporize everybody. You know? But because he's faithful to himself, and to the covenant that he made with himself is the only reason we're all still around. And he goes on. Just, he just keeps heaping it on. Oh, it's good. Seven. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Restore unto me. Go back, and I will return unto you, saith Jehovah of hosts. But you said... Wherein shall we return? What for? Why? Where have we gone? We haven't done anything. It's almost a picture. You can picture the prodigal son. It's like, where was the father the whole time? At the house. Right where he's always been. So he's saying, come back, and I'm going to be right there, where I've always been, and will restore unto you. Eight. Will a man rob God? Ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? in tithes and in offerings, your obligations, what you are required to do just for being alive. Nine, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouses, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now wherewith, saith the of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith Yehovah of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith Yehovah of hosts. So again, it's this idea of sacrifice, or delayed gratification, or giving up something, the best of what you have, to God for a better future, for uh, something more important. You know, you can eat everything on the vine right now and pluck the best thing, or you can give of the best, still survive to God, which maintains instruction and order and protection and wholesomeness and all these things that he set up to, to bless the people, or you can be selfish and uh, um, Eat it all for yourself right now, and corruption will ensue, and you'll curse yourself, and the ground will not work as it is. There's this intricate connection between our behavior and what we do and um, how things work in the world around us. The rain, the crops, the land, uh, you know. And like he says at the very end, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse... 13, we're almost there. Your words have been stout against me, saith Yehovah. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? You said, it's vain to serve God. Oh, the Torah is a burden. What does it get us? We only suffer. 
What profit is is that we have kept this ordinance and that we have walked mournly before Yehovah of hosts. Now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that war, work wickedness are set up, and yea, that, yea, they that tempt God are delivered. Then they that feared Yehovah spake often one to another, and Yehovah hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him of, for them that feared Yehovah and that thought upon his name. So again, that idea of fear. So he's, he's recording this. He's remembering it. And they shall be mine, saith Yehovah of hosts. And in that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between righteousness, righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. So there's going to be a separating. There's going to be dividing. And I think that's taking place now. There's, there's, it's just the na- nature of things, you know. Those who are going to really serve God and keep his word and those who want to work up their own form of, of whatever, whether they outright, you know, give God the middle finger or they just say, well, I don't feel like doing this, that, and another thing. It reflects the state of the heart of his people. Almost done. Four. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith Yehovah of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. It's like those um, uh, fires in California, you know, where like they get really, really hot and it actually will vaporize the soil. And so nothing will even grow. So it's going to be bad. Two, but unto you that fear my name. There we go with the name again, his authority. So fearing it to, to put weight to it. Shall the sun of righteousness arise with healing as his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith Yehovah of hosts. Remember ye the Torah of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Before the coming in the great and dreadful day of Yehovah, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you again for this book, how awesome it is. Uh, May we just learn from it, change our hearts, change our minds, continually evaluate ourselves, and and, and measure ourselves by your word that we would be changed and... uh, be blessed by being obedient unto you and that we would be a witness and a light into the world. And I just thank you for all these things, Father, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Before you stop that, I yeah. just want to put a shameless plug. There's actually, in relation to 314, somebody wrote this blog. Oh, there's a blog. Ferengi rules of acquisition. <laughs> if you're a Star Trek fan, yeah. there's a blog I'll include in the show notes. Yeah. Um, what is it? Three, three. What? Uh, three fourteen. Chapter. What profit is it? Okay. Ferengi rules of uh, acquisition. <laughs> Look it up. Hey, mighty warriors arise! Yeah, freedom does. Face on the mount of your grace and your own.